0: better because i can't give up got to keep moving forward because i can't get stuck don't know how to express all the things that i feel sometimes i wonder to myself man is this all even real but then i realize that my fate in god's hands and that this pain has a purpose it's all a part of his plan yeah what's up and welcome to the hallway with your host Kent Thornquist i'm super excited to launch episode 1 of the podcast this has been in the works for several months now and uh, I had to put together this room and I had to get sound equipment and all kinds of stuff. And so I wanted episode one to be where I share a little bit like how I got here in terms of the podcast. And then also like how I got here in terms of my testimony, right? Some people are never going to have heard my testimony. and, And so I want the opportunity to be able to share that with you so that when I talk about my experiences in the hallway, you're able to have a better understanding of the pit that God pulled me out of in my life, and so I'm going to give a brief, not a full, detailed explanation of my testimony uh, for time's sake, because I think there's like the short for a short movie film version of the testimony. There's the like regular standard film, and then there's like the extended director cut of the film, the uh, the Zack Snyder one, and so. I'm really excited to be able to talk about these different things on here. And one of the biggest things for me, I think, is going to be that I want this podcast to feel authentic. I recorded episode one about a week ago and I got it home and I was super excited and I played it. And about five minutes in, I was like, man, this looks good. It sounds good. It's pretty decent for someone's first attempt at launching a podcast. I don't know that dude though who's talking. And it's because I like scripted out everything that I was going to say, and I filtered myself real good and clean, and it was real prim and proper. And that's not me. And I do this when I preach sometimes. I, I do this when I have, I have the opportunity to share God's word. You know, sometimes it's like, man, that was really good. It's not something you would say, but it was also really good. And so I really wanted the podcast to be a space for me to be authentic Right. I'm going to talk about some things that are going to ruffle up some feathers. And I don't want to be running this through the through like a lens in my head of like, oh, man, is this going to offend like that person or like that church? Or like, is this going to mess with like career opportunities down the road for me? Um, that's not the filter for it. God's going to take care of that. As long as I'm walking in humility, I'm, I'm not, you know, doing th- I'm not sinning. Right. Uh, I'm not being disrespectful to like individuals, but me just talking about things that are real issues. uh, I don't think that that should limit any opportunities for me in life. And I don't think that that should ruffle any feathers in a negative way. And I think that people who walk around in life like scared to ruffle feathers and they want to walk on eggshells with other people, limit themselves. And so I don't want to do that. I also don't want to do that for my guests. So I plan on, I've got an area set up to my left where I can have another person on here so I can do an interview and I can fellowship with other people. And I'm going to have a guest on here. That's going to drop the F bomb. You know, I'm going to have a guest on here. That's going to say something that, um, isn't, you know, it's not maybe the, the best, uh, theological viewpoint on a subject, right. Or something that someone doesn't agree with. That's okay. Like that's fine. Um, you know, I personally am a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. Not every person I have on here is going to be that, I'm not looking for every person I have on here to be that I'm looking for people who want to share about their experiences, being in the hallway, you know, when they were at an opportunity in their life to go down different paths and they tried to pick the best one. Heck, I want to hear about the people who didn't pick the best one. Uh, but they, they later on learned from that. You know, we had a a preacher at our church today that talked about the Holy spirit and how the Holy spirit tries to you know, direct our paths and, and help steer us in the right direction. And sometimes we do our own thing. We're like, no, nah, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do this thing over here. You know? That's, I want to hear all about that in different people's lives. And so there are several different motives behind the podcast. One of the biggest things for me, though, on like the how did I get here or like the why behind the podcast is that I believe a couple different things. One being I've had enough conversations with other people that are conversations where it's like the uh, aha moment in someone else's story that you're like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only person to experienced that. I didn't know that other people felt that way about this or about that. And I think that I have a lot of those. And I've had conversations with people where people are you know, uh, aware that they're not alone. And so I wanted to launch this podcast so that people can experience that on several different levels. And then on top of that, I think that there's value in the things that I have to talk about, right? I don't think that uh, my opinion and the things that I believe are like more valuable than every other person's, but I also do see value in the things that I believe and the things I have to say. You know, there's some folks out there that do not value themselves or their opinion or their beliefs on subjects uh, so little to the point where they never share it. You know, they just, they never talk about those things. And there's people who think that their opinion is the greatest thing in the entire world. And they think that everyone else's opinion is just dumb and irrelevant and that no one else should share their opinion. So I'm hoping to strike that in humility and in a balance. I want to be able to give other people a platform to share, Uh, especially people, you know, I want to get people on here are successful and, you know, they're at a great stage in their lives. But I also want to get some people on here who might not otherwise have the opportunity to share on a platform their story, uh, who are in the thick of it, who are in the hallway right now. And then the last and probably one of the most important things for me is going to be that I've got an 11-year-old daughter who I love and I cherish, and I've got another child on the way, and I really wanted to have an opportunity to share all the things that I've learned in the hallway on a platform that I can bottle up all those things and then give this to them. You know, tomorrow isn't promised, right? And you know, say something happens to me, my kids now have hopefully, you know, several lessons that I've learned available on these different platforms so that they can pull from it and and see all these different things that I have to say. And so I really wanted to to do that for the same reason. You know, years ago, I set up an email account for my daughter where I can email her whenever I want, um, you know, different things, pictures and and the way I feel on certain situations in life. And I had to fight for custody of her when she was a little kid. And so I would email her periodically throughout that season to explain my side of things. And now when she's older, and I don't know how old, but when she's older, I'm going to give her the password to that email and she's going to get to get on there and find all these my version of a love letter from dad. And so I'm hopeful this podcast can be something similar to that for my own children. And so that's kind of the disclaimer behind the podcast. And then also like a couple of the motives behind it. And so now I want to talk about my testimony. And if there's one thing that I absolutely love doing, it's sharing my testimony. The first time I did, I was nervous and I was scared uh, i was i was about to puke in a bathroom at a church because i was like man there's like i kind of got set up uh i was at a church probably 30 people or so and then the pastor asked me to share my testimony and i said yeah I'm, I'm happy to do that i've never done it with a group you know i've done it individually but i'm happy to do that and so i uh i show up the night for for me to share my testimony and it was like every person invited five people and those five people showed up I got to this, it was a house church and I got there and this place was packed wall to wall. And uh, my, my girlfriend at the time was in the back. So I was nervous because she's there and, and I'm sharing for the first time. And it was terrifying. And it was beautiful at the exact same time. And ever since I did, it's gotten a little easier Every time, I've now done it at at my home church now, a different church. I I do it at a local um, organization from time to time. I've done it a lot more in group settings. And so I feel a lot more comfortable doing it. But it's one of my most exciting things because now I'm in a season of life. I've been saved, uh, I think it was eight years. Yes, eight years, April 3rd, 2015 is when I got saved. And so being on the other side of an eight-year journey I can smile. I can laugh. And some people, you know, probably they expect me to to carry a little bit more weight behind it. And when I talk about things like suicide and depression and gangs and drugs, you know, they probably expect me to be crying. But I'm on the other side of it. I've now seen God's hand and what he was doing in my life back then and how good life has been since that. If I'm going to cry, it's not going to be because I'm reliving the the negative experience. But if I tear up during my testimony, it's like, man, God, look how good you are. Look how faithful you've been to me. And so I'm just gonna kind of give a little bit of a brief background on my childhood and I won't go into extreme detail. Uh, I recorded this the other day and I spent about 30 minutes talking about just my background. And so uh, uh, I was raised throughout Illinois. People ask me all the time, where are you from? And I just say, Illinois. Because I've lived uh, dang near from the top of the state. And I have lived all the way to the bottom of the state. Raised in a single parent household. Uh, Mom and dad divorced when I was five or six. I was raised by my mom. Shout out to single parents, specifically single mothers. My mom was a foundational rock for me as a child. And uh, I couldn't say, I've never met a better woman. Most incredible person in the entire world to me. Um, You know, I don't get as emotional about the... Some aspects of my story, but man, when I talk about my mom and how much she means to me and I don't give her flowers enough for what she did for me to be who I am and things that people compliment about me all the time, my entrepreneurship, uh, my integrity, my character, those are things that I got from her. Like That's not something that I, I learned along the way on my own. That was built into me. As, as a young child. And so, mom, if you ever see this episode, shout out to you because you're an incredible mom. Um, and I love you. But uh, she raised five children on her own. We moved all around the state. And she made a lot of decisions, some good and some bad. But always be with the best interest of her children at heart. And I respect that so much. I talk about this in leadership all the time. That leaders who are, they don't know what to do. So they just don't act. And my mom didn't know what to do. She's trying to raise five kids on her own. But man, she would just try something. I got to try something for these kids to give them the same opportunities in life that other people are going to have. And so that caused us to move around a lot. But if there's one community that shaped me the most, it would be Cairo, Illinois, which is the gateway to the south. It's a southern tip. Moved there when I was about 11. Left when I was about 16. And that five years that I spent there really shaped uh, my 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 thick skin, you know. We used to joke around uh, in Cairo that, like, if you can survive Cairo, you can survive anywhere. And I would never say that I was, like, deep in the streets in this community. Like, I wasn't out there doing a lot of the different things that folks were doing. But I still – lived there, and I was raised there, and it, and, it, and it shaped me in a lot of different ways, and I met some of the most incredible people in my entire life while I was there, and there was a lot of negative that took place in that town, but there was a lot of beauty, and I have lifelong friendships now thanks to that community. So I lived in Cairo until I was 16. My dad, who I didn't really know, I'd only met him twice in my life, like once when I was like nine, once when I was 10, we saw him, Uh, but during this time to kind of paint this picture a little bit, my dad dies, my older brother's fresh out of prison and I really wanted to get out of Cairo. I wanted to get out of my mom's house. And so I begged and harassed and pleaded with my mom to let me go live with my brother who was fresh out of the joint. And she let me move up there uh, after a lot of arguing about it. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I used to always, Paint This picture for folks that like my mom kicked me out at 16 years old, uh, but I really pushed her to get me out of that house, you know, and not the best ways Uh, because I was just searching for a male role model and I was hoping I could find it in my older brother. And so 16 to 21, I lived here in Peoria and it was one of the craziest like five years of my life. So I go from Cairo, which is, you know, I'm fighting all the time. I'm suspended from school. Uh, it's a pretty rough environment to Peoria, where I was introduced to drugs and, um, you know, women on a larger scale. Uh, most of my friends were between the age of 21 and 23 years old. Cause I was living my older brother and I didn't want to hang out with the other 16 year olds cause they're lame. Why would I want to hang out with you guys when I can go play beer pong at a real party this weekend? And, uh, shout out to my brother for taking me in because he was only 21 I'm 29 now, and I can't fathom the idea of taking in a 16-year-old sibling at my age now, let alone his age then. Also, he had been uh, heavily uh, institutionalized by the prison system, and so he didn't have a lot of the the know-how to life. He didn't have a lot of the life skills that I have, and it still seems like a daunting task for me. So shout out to my older brother for doing the best that he could with what he was given. And him and I... I mean, and we never really talked about this, but I like to think that we grew up together. You know, we didn't grow up together as kids, but 16 to 21 for me and 21 to 26 for him. I like to think in that five years, we like became men and became adults together. Like we learned things like taxes um, and 401ks and salaries and different things like that. And And whenever I'd have opportunities at work and stuff like that, he would be He'd be the person that I would talk to about those things. Um, and so if there's two people I really highlight in my testimony in that like 10-year window, it's my mom and, and it's my older brother because they influenced me tremendously. And so uh, – and I have an incredible support system in my, in my family. I've got three sisters who are incredible. I've got my baby sister, Veronica. i got my younger sister, uh, Robin. I got my older sister Faith and uh, they are just an incredible support system for me in life. We have a lot of highs and a lot of lows, but I recently pushed myself to love other people like I love my siblings because man, we've done each other dirty a lot and my sister could do me dirty today and I'm going to love her so deeply tomorrow because that's sis, you know, and I love her. And I'm gonna forgive her. And so I recently challenged myself like, man, how come you can't love everyone that way? Right? I'm trying to love people, you know, the same way that I have this unconditional love for my siblings. Um, so, anyways, throughout this time, though, 16 to 21, I did a lot of drugs. I had a lot of sex with a lot of different women. Um, I got exposed to gangs when I was 18 years old. I had previously been exposed to them as a kid, when I was 10, 11, we, we grew up in a, in a town that there was uh, several different predominantly Hispanic gangs. And, uh, and I had another run in with that gang when I was 18 years old. And so around that time is when I pressed into two different lives. So I was like, daytime manager of a local restaurant, not the one that, uh, you know, anyone might associate me with, but I was a manager at a local restaurant when I was 18 years old. And by day I was working there mainly for like re-up money. And then by night I was dealing drugs and I was gangbanging and I was living like a really reckless lifestyle. You know, I was going to bars every single night and partying and I'm fighting grown men in parking lots outside of bars, uh, at 18 years old. And just living a, a reckless lifestyle where someone's going to end up killing me or I'm going to end up dying. And I did that for several years. And it was a really reckless time. And because it was such a dangerous time in my life, I had a daughter right out of high school that I just made a decision. I didn't want to be around her all the time. And it broke my heart. But I was a, a drug addict. And I was living a lifestyle that there were da- friends of mine were getting shot you know, and beat up and jumped and stuff like that. And I was like, man, I don't want to expose her to any of the things that I was ever exposed to. So let me just not be in her life all the way. I'm going to pay child support. I'm going to make sure that her mom has everything that she needs to provide, but I'm not going to be in her life all the way. And so that kind of paints a picture of what my upbringing looks like. You know, It's very different than a lot of people. Um, And that's not to say that I didn't have a lot of incredible friends, you know, I didn't have uh, people who really did love and care about me, uh, but we were all a mess. You know, it was like a group of young people just like blind leading the blind. And when I was 21 years old, I basically hit rock bottom. I, I, I was just always chasing after this thing that was going to satisfy me in life. Right. I'm like, man, if I can get that girl or if I can get that truck. You know, it was the F-150. It was the the Lariat edition, though. If I can get those clothes or that much money in my account or that promotion at the job that I'm at, uh, if I can do any of these things, then I'll be happy. And what I realized, I feel like a lot younger in life than a lot of people do, was that none of those things satisfy. There was a time when I had the most money I'd ever had. I, I had several thousands of dollars saved up. I had a nice truck. I had... You know, I'm not boasting or bragging on my sin, but I had I had options, you know, uh, for you know, if I wanted to go out with a different girl that night, I could. And I was I was moving up at, at my job. Um, I was I had a great reputation amongst amongst my friends. Not great, like a clean reputation, but like they knew, you know, I could I could fight. I could, you know, do all these different things that they thought was like a, an admirable thing. And so I thought I kind of like had arrived in life. I was 21 years old and I just had this longing in my heart that I was like, man, if this is it, if this is it, this ain't going to work. Like this can't be it, you know? And I had always kind of idolized suicide as a kid because I was raised, you know, really poor. I had a lot of mental health problems that I had to see, you know, spent several years in therapy. I'm still in therapy to this day. So shout out to mental health services. Um, But I spent several years in therapy to help me get to the next level. Uh, But as a kid, I like fantasized about killing myself. And I I don't know exactly the why, I'm still processing through that. But at 21, I just decided none of these things satisfy. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm a loser. I don't have my kid. You know, I'm not doing anything with my life. I'm not in college. You know, I'm, I'm just gonna kill myself. And I was at a party one night. And I was about to have the same song and dance. You know, I got some drugs on me. I got a pretty girl I'm talking to at the bar, you know, all these different things. And I was like, man, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And in my drunken, like, depression, I went home. I Googled how many pills I had to take to kill myself from a specific type of pill. And I took that many. I did some cocaine. Um, I I drank a bunch of alcohol. And I just passed out. I woke up the next day and everyone had brought the party home. And, uh, they all thought that I just had a wild night and I got, you know, I didn't, I, I woke up in the bathroom, um, and, uh, I, I felt like death, but I wasn't dead. And so I was like, all right, well, didn't work, you know, might as well go to work. Still got a job I got to go to do. So 6am I head to work. Uh, I'm probably late that day and I get in there and this woman who worked for me, who was a Christian, And I had been experienced, uh, I had experienced a lot of Christians. I'd been around them. My mentor growing up uh, was a follower of Christ. You always shared the gospel with us as kids, but you know, you're not really, it fell on deaf ears. And so this woman hit me with a line when I got into my office, and I'll never forget it. She followed me in there and she said, Hey, Kent, I don't know what you're going through, but I just want to let you know that God wants to have a relationship with you. And a lot of people, when I tell that part of my testimony, they're like, Oh man, that was the moment for him. No, it wasn't not at all. That woman said that I was so hungover. I looked at her, I said, please leave me alone basically. And I shut my office door and she pressed into me for weeks. Every time that she had an opportunity, she'd be like, Hey, you know, I'd love for you to come to my church. Hey, I love if me and you can sit in the dining room and read scripture together. And she was an older woman. I mean, I don't know exactly how she's probably in her sixties, 50. She was probably her then, she's probably in her fifties and she's probably in her sixties now. Um, and she just loved on me every time she saw me. She was just the nicest person to me. Even though I'd smell like weed and alcohol and uh, all those different things, she just kept pressing into me, you know, pressing into that relationship. And eventually she got me to go to church with her. And so I went to church, would have been January, February 2015. Uh, they got me really involved, like straight from the beginning. And so they got me into co-ed soccer on Wednesday nights and uh, men's basketball on Thursday nights and Bible study on Friday nights and Saturday service and then Sunday service. And they had the young adults group before service. And, and next thing I know, I was like getting off work thinking, man, I can't wait to go hang out with these people. And I didn't want to hang out with these drug addicts no more. And I, I just felt this longing in my heart for for something, you know, more. And it felt like I was going the right direction. And it would have been beginning of April, uh 2015, that it all kind of, you know, we we can we can play the song and dance with God, but he finally wanted to get a hold of my heart. And so I texted Lillian's mom, my daughter's mom, and I asked if I could have her overnight for the first time. I told her I'd been doing better with drugs. I wasn't completely sober, but I was doing better and and so I said, you know, can I have her? And her mom said, yeah, I'll drop her off. And if you change your mind, I'll come get her later on. And so her mom drops her off to me and her and I spend a little time together. And I just remember staring at her as this little kid. And I'm like, man, I don't know this kid. She doesn't know me. I'm a deadbeat, just like my dad. You know, I'm going through all these different things in my head and I'm crying and my face is on the, on the kitchen table. Uh, and I get a text while I'm going through this from the woman who's, who's helping to lead me into this relationship with Christ. And she sent me Matthew 11:28, 28, which talks about come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And, and when I read those words, and I just read them come to me all who are weary, come to me all who are weary, come to me all who are weary. I just broke down crying and I put my head on the table and I wept and there's levels to crying and I was weeping and I felt a hand on my shoulder and I thought, man, It's got to be my older brother and he's probably going to laugh at me and, you know, or it's one of my buddies or something. And, and I felt this hand on my shoulder and I just let it sit there for a minute. I thought I'll raise my head up in a second. And I lift my head up and there's no one there. And I'll tell you, it was the realest hand I've ever felt on my shoulder. And I'm 100% confident that was the hand of God in my life that night. And I texted uh, this woman and I said, man, I don't know what it looks like to give my life to Christ, but I want to do it. Cause I, what I just experienced tonight, and this 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 feeling of a father I've never felt my entire life, and like I told you, I met my father twice, and I wouldn't say that I met the, I met a father either one of those times, but that night, I met a father, like 100% confident I met a father that night, and so April 3rd, 2015, her and I met in uh, in a local church, and and I prayed this prayer in the sanctuary for me to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior and to forgive me for my sins. And I started that relationship with him that day. And I think that a lot of people hear those kind of stories and they think that like, man, God cleans up their life. Like right then they stopped cussing. Man, that dude probably stopped cussing. He stopped having sex. None of that is true. I still cuss from time to time and I'm still struggling with it. Um, I I struggled and I still struggle with the, the feelings of lust and things like that. Um, but what, it, what started that day was that Christ started the process of cleaning up my life. You know, it says that we're his workmanship. And he's going to conform me over to his image. And there were some things that he delivered me from right then. Like cocaine and my like drug addiction, because uh, I don't classify weed as a drug. And I'm about to ruffle up some feathers already on episode one. But my, my drug addiction went out the window right then and there. And so there were some things he delivered me from right then. There were some things though, that the root of those things in the garden of my heart went a lot deeper, you know, sexual trauma and things like that goes a lot deeper in my garden. So it's going to take a lot more time for him to work on me in that area. And not only that, I need to complement that work with things like therapy, right? But it wasn't like I got saved that day and my life was just perfect. I had to start the process of getting custody of my daughter, which was really, really hard having to fight the court system. Uh, thankfully, I got a judge who was really, really understanding of my story and my, my testimony. Uh, and so I had to get custody of my daughter right after I got saved. I got fired from my job. Ironically, I got fired for something I did not do, but I did plenty of stuff to get fired. So like I was mad, but I wasn't mad you know, but I, I got saved, got fired. Uh, the, the girl I was, I uh, was talking to at the time. Uh, she, she stopped talking to me basically. Um, didn't want nothing to do with this Christian dude. Didn't want to go to church with me. And I started this process of like trying to figure out what this walk looked like. And like a baby learning to walk, I was just stumbling around. I was just stumbling around for the first like four years of my walk. Now I've been saved for eight First, like four, I stumbled. I immediately left the church I was at to go date another woman because I couldn't be single for more than 10 minutes. Um, And I went to a church that had no discipleship, no accountability, and was just basically go to church on Sunday morning. We'll see you again next Sunday. Nothing against that church, but missing some elements there. And so I found myself in a season where I was like a Lone Island Christian, as I call it. I didn't have other Christians in my, in my uh, life. And so I stumbled for the first few years. And then, you know, years four and five, I kind of started to figure it out a little bit. I, I got in a drunk driving accident uh, several years in. I found myself waking up at the bottom of a hill with a crushed up car. Uh, praise the Lord that no one died. And, and obviously my, myself included in that. And I didn't get a DUI or anything. Um, but the Lord weighed on my heart several years in. Cause I wasn't walking, you know, I really like. there's two elements to it, right? We accept Christ as our Lord and savior. I loved this savior aspect. I was like, Oh, I ain't going to hell no more. You know, you, you went to the cross for me man. I love that. Thank you, Jesus. You're awesome. Uh, you want me to die for my, you want me to die to myself today? Huh? Mm, I don't like that one so much. I don't like the idea of submitting to you and serving you and things like that. It took me a while to get there. You know, I'm a slow learner. And so, uh, about year five though, I, I had met my now wife. I went to AA. She walked with me through that process of sobriety. And so did my family and my friends. Uh, so I've been, I've been sober. It'll be, I think it'll be four years. I think it'll be four years of September. If I'm not mistaken, uh, April or not April, September 26, 2019. So yeah, four years I'll have been sober. Um, I haven't, done drugs in many years. I haven't smoked weed in a long time. Um, and I'm going, I I see a therapist on a regular basis for some of the, for some of the trauma in my life and and some of the deep rooted, uh, pains. Um, but throughout this time, there were many times that I found myself in the hallway over the last eight years. And as I sat back and kind of, you know, plotted out like the first 20, 30 episodes of this podcast, I was like, man, I've been in the hallway a lot, and I'm not talking about, you know, God. I got fired from this job, and, and I got this job, and this is the hallway. There were other times in the hallway. There were times when I I was questioning, you know, during various uh, various seasons in our country, uh, I questioned evangelical Christianity as a collective. You know, uh, I, I questioned a lot of different things in my in my walk, and, and several times I almost walked away from the institution of Christianity uh, because I I had a lot of issues. And so there were a lot of different things in my walk that are not just limited to like a door here and a door here. There were several times where, you know, God would close a door in my life. I went through a really, really tough breakup before I met my wife and, and, and the enemy, you know, God had a, a door at the end of that hallway open for me. And that was my wife. Right. But the enemy put all these other doors in the hallway for me to possibly go down. And so as I sat back and I talked about all these different things and I plotted out, you know, a lot of the initial episodes, I was like, man, I've learned a lot over the eight years of walking with Christ. And most of it I've learned from making dumb mistakes that I'm hopeful that someone else can hear about and not make that same mistake. It's the same way that my testimony, I love sharing it with specifically young adults because age 12, you know, 11, 12, up until 21, I got a lot of life lessons I learned in there the hard way. And then 21 to 25, I pressed into that partying, drinking lifestyle, but as a Christian. And so I can relate to the college kid who, who goes off and, and wants their faith become their own, separate from their family, but they're exposed to these different things. It's the same way that I didn't have a support system around me and I stumbled around. And so I'm hopeful that I can, you know, impart a little bit of the, I don't want to call it wisdom, but some of the wisdom I've learned over the last few years of of walking with Christ and, and and walking away from Christ and and you know doing my own thing and then coming back and then trying it again. So that's gonna be the basis of uh, the hallway. It's gonna be a lot of just different conversations that I've had, and it'll be things that are past experiences, but I'm 100 percent confident that my turn. Is right around the corner, Uh, meaning I'm gonna find myself in a hallway again here soon. I know when the wind's against my back for too long, I'm just praying, God, prepare me, because I know it's coming. You know, let me enjoy this moment. Let me enjoy the beauty of walking with the wind against my back, but don't let me get too comfortable because I know that the opposition is always working against me. I know that adversity is going to come. And when it comes, I pray like James that I, when I face trials of various kinds, that I can do it, you know, cheerfully and joyfully. Uh, and that, that I, can, I can do it because I know that God's going to get me through that season. And so thank you so much for watching episode one of The Hallway. I'm super excited. I'll be releasing these once a week, every single Wednesday. Um, at, we'll, we'll release an episode of The Hallway. And I'm hopeful that you're able to look forward to this on a weekly basis. I've got several podcasts that I follow, and when, when an episode drops, I'm like, man, I get to check in with you know that entrepreneur or that fitness organization or that ministry, and so I'm excited uh, that hopefully I can be that for, for for one of you. So thank you for tuning in. I hope you have a blessed rest of your day. Thank you.